Luke 11 in your Bibles, I want you to notice again, verse 13 of this text, the Lord Jesus concludes this very detailed teaching about prayer with a sort of final argument that crowns, if you will, the entire text. He says, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? In other words, sinners as we all are, imperfect and selfish sons of Adam, nevertheless, we still hear the pleas of our children. Look at verse 11. If a son, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? And so here's the picture. Here's a father, Jesus says. And say his little boy says, Daddy, I'm hungry. Can I have some food? Well, that father, being a sinner and therefore flawed, he still knows how to give his child what he needs and sometimes what he wants. And that the last thing that that father would do is give him the opposite of what he needs. A snake for a fish. And so Jesus says, well, if you, if you fathers being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, here it is, how much more? Now, wait a minute. Because here's where a lot of people read this text but miss the greatest glory of all. For the most part, people read this text and all they can think about is, well, I asked for this and Jesus said I didn't get anything I asked for. It's not what he said. It's a relationship of a father to a child. But they, they just look at that and they, they forget or they overlook the greatest glory of everything that Jesus says here. Look again at the last part of verse 13. How much more shall your heavenly father now you say, Pastor, why is that such a glory? And why is verse 13, as you said, a concluding and final argument? Because, beloved, it is connected and it goes back to what Jesus says at the beginning of the text. You see, verse 1, they asked a question, Lord, teach us to pray. And verse 2 is his answer. Look at it, chapter 11, verse 2. And he said unto them, when ye pray, say, our Now, beloved, hear this carefully. This entire discussion from the beginning, verse 13, to the end of it, all of it begins and ends with the fatherhood of God. So that being a Christian this morning, being a believer, includes a whole host of glories and titles. We are servants. We are disciples. We are followers. We are ambassadors. We're called soldiers. We are all of this and more in the Bible. However, when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he didn't tell them to say, our master who art in heaven, or our teacher who art in heaven, or our king or our general. What he said was, say this, our father. Our text says, how much more? shall your heavenly Father. Again, this is the real glory in that Jesus was telling them and he's telling us today that his Father is our Father. That his family is our family. That his home 
is our home. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. His home is our home. And as the people of God and as the church of God, as the household of faith, being born again into this family, that's what it really means to be a Christian. And so it is this morning. I really hope you'll listen carefully. I want to speak this morning on the subject, family ties. Family ties. You know, family ties is actually a legal term in the world of jurisprudence. It has a tremendous meaning. It includes a lot of things we're going to look at today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray you will still our hearts. We sang just a moment ago that we're a child of the Father, join heir with the Son. May we understand afresh and anew what that means for us as your people. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. The model prayer that some people call the Lord's Prayer here in Luke 11 has sadly become, by the devil's design, one of the most abused and misused passages in all the Bible. As a matter of fact, in spite of our Lord's very clear warning about not using vain repetitions in prayer to God, just repeating a bunch of words over and again, the devil has taken this glorious text that is full of spiritual truth and led millions of people to use it as that very thing, a vain repetition. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Our Father, which, and so on and so goes. You know, folks, that's not what Jesus wanted. You realize that there are dozens of prayers recorded in the New Testament after this text. Prayers by Peter, and John, and Paul, and by James, but never one time do they use the words of this text in a vain repetition. You know why? Because that is not how a child talks to his father. Children do not speak in Gregorian chants or mystical ohms. Do you think little KK goes up to her dad and says, Om Domino Nostri, guacamole, I stub my toe, daddy. No. <laughs> Our Lord gave this model prayer in answer to a question. And in his answer that's filled with wondrous truth, he reminds us of the glories of our family ties. You know, when Jesus said in John 8, 44, ye are of your father, the devil. So he said that to people? Mm-hmm. He said, ye are of your father, the devil. It's a reminder that not everyone yet has God as their father, but you do. If you're saved today, you do. John 1, 12 says, but as many as received him, Jesus, to them, gave you power to become the sons of God. 2 Corinthians 6, 18, And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. You see, folks, the family ties that Jesus promises here isn't just legal, it's not just judicial, it is also familial. It includes the blessedness, the joys, the hopes, all the love and eternal life of knowing that God, the Creator, is our Father. And on this Lord's Day morning, I want to remind all of us and myself that he is a father who has six divine attributes presented in this prayer and in this text. What are they? Number one, the first one you notice, number one, is in verse two, our father is great. Notice what it says. And he said unto them, when ye pray, say this, our father, which art in the White House. 
Man, aren't you glad you don't say that? Our Father, which art in the Hall of Fame. Our Father, which art in Buckingham Palace. Our Father, which art in the Vatican. None of that. If you think about it, there is no throne. There is no throne, no position, no location title. There is no seat on this earth, anywhere on this earth, that wouldn't be a condescension for our Father who's in heaven. Since the beginning of time, boys on the playground, especially boys, have engaged in a sort of paternal upmanship. My dad is stronger than your dad. My dad is smarter than your dad. My dad is richer than your dad. Over the elementary school, there were kids there taking turns explaining what their dads did for a living. They were supposed to come up and tell the class what their fathers did, and the little girl got up, and she said, my daddy's a firefighter. He puts out fires, and he rescues little kittens. Boy, shut up. My father's a doctor. He saves lives, and he makes sick people better. It went on for a while, and this little boy named Johnny stood up. He was terrified. He was nervous. He said, my dad's a loan shark, a debt collector, at night, he's a used car salesman. Sometimes he's a telemarketer for Wall Street lawyers who deal in opioids. Shocked, the teacher pulled him aside and said, Johnny, is all of that true? He said, no, I made it up. Because I'm embarrassed of my dad's real job. And the teacher said, well, what does your daddy do? And Johnny began to cry, and he said, he plays for the Denver Broncos. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> but, you know, it's true. Little boys do this. They've always had this sort of innate urge to, to, you know, proclaim the greatness of their father over someone else. And, you know, there's a reason for that. The good news this morning is that your father really is greater. You talk about family ties. I mean, just line them up. Name any of them or all of them, Buddha, Krishna, Allah, Baal, Shiva, Horus, Zeus, Dagon, Osiris, Odin, Lucifer. All of the false gods, all the imaginary deities of this world, they don't have an ounce of true greatness. And none of them can approach the, approach the God of heaven. When I was a little boy living overseas in Turkey, I had a teacher in the second grade. And it was a public school, but it was, you know, a base school. She taught us a prayer. And every time we would go to lunchtime, we would pray this prayer. We, we memorized it. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. How many of you have heard that before? You memorize it. All right, not as many as I thought. It was simple enough, but I remember sometimes at nights, because we would pray it every day, five days a week. I would lie in my bed awake at night, and I always ponder that prayer, especially the first part. God is great. And I would think there, I wonder how great he is. My seven-year-old mind would think, you know, and ponder, well, he's greater than Mickey Mantle. That's amazing. And I would think, wow, he's greater than the Lone Ranger. I can't imagine that. And I remember one night sitting there thinking, you know, he's, he's so great, he's greater than my dad. And you know, it wasn't until God became my father 
At the age of 12, when I was born again, born into that family. It wasn't until then that I began to realize just how infinite God's greatness truly is. As a matter of fact, beloved, when the father of this world, the father of lies, ever tries to intimidate me, and if he comes to you as he does and as he's, we're told he does in the Bible, is he, if he comes to you to try to intimidate or boast or threaten, just remember, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He's just greater. Your father is great, but that's not all. And I'll tell you what, I'm glad that's not all. Because in number two, you'll notice, he's also good. Verse two again, and he said unto them, when ye pray, say, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed, or hallowed be thy name. Now, wait a minute. And by the way, can I just say this parenthetically? I didn't plan on saying this. His name is holy. You shouldn't just throw his name out there. You young people, just because you hear it on TV all the time, or your friends say God, or oh my God, or just, his name is holy. Hallowed, holy. What does the word hallowed mean? It means pure, righteous. So that the reason we hallow, beloved, his name is that it represents all that he is in his holiness and all that he is in his goodness. That second grade prayer that I learned, the theology, is actually correct. God is great. God is good. In fact, think about the wonder of this truth. That God is just as good as he is great. The vast universe that he spoke into existence doesn't just show his greatness, which it does. It also shows his goodness. And in all of his eternal greatness, never lose sight of the fact that he also has, he's filled with eternal goodness. I'm reminded when the rich young ruler came to Jesus in Mark 10 and called him, quote, good master. And Jesus looked at him and he said, why do you call me good? There is none good but God. And of course, the Lord was teaching that man not only that he himself, Jesus, was God, was deity, but that the ruler who did a few good things was not good. John 1.5 says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So you see, beloved, our Heavenly Father isn't good like my dad was good or like we think we are good. Our Father is the Father of goodness. He has intrinsic goodness. His nature is good. You know, in etymology, the word Father really denotes origin. I came from my Father. He fathered me. There's the Father of modern medicine. There's the Father of our country, and so it goes. Well, guess what? God, our Father, is the origin of goodness. Hollywood didn't come up with what's good and not good. Hollywood didn't come up with what's compassion, what's virtue, what's righteous. They don't even really understand what good is. It's upside down to them, as the prophet said. Our media, for all of their talk or writing about justice or law or lying or guilt or truth, they can thank their lucky stars that people don't know the truth about them. And people who don't know the Father, which at one time includes all of us, they really don't know true goodness. And that's why it's a glory this morning. If you're saved today, you've been born again, it is a glory to be in God's family. Look, the enemies of God, have you noticed that they are the hateful, angry, dark, destructive family? So that what they think is good 
what they call good, is downright evil and depressing. Psalm 32 says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are His. We should be shouting about the fact that God is good and He's our Heavenly Father. He is great, He is good. The third thing I want you to notice is that He is glorious. Verse 2 again, He said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Did you know this morning that you have a father who has a kingdom? Now, I know a lot of fathers have kingdoms in this world. Jennifer Gates, that's Bill Gates' daughter. Bill Gates has a kingdom. She'll probably inherit most of it. Salman al-Saud. His father has a kingdom called Saudi Arabia. His brother, Sharm el-Shalik, in six hours, <laughs> this man's brother lost $359 million and five of his nine wives playing poker at the Sinai Grand Casino. For real. He used his wives as collateral to borrow $25 million, and when he lost that, he just left them behind when he flew back home. Well, if you can bet on poker and lose $359 million in six hours, that's, that's a rich kingdom. There have been a lot of rich kingdoms in this world. But can I tell you what they're not? They're not eternal. Jesus said, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Forever, Pastor? Yes. When King David, after his long and glorious reign was over in Israel, he was giving a benediction. I want you to notice what he said in it. It's verse 11, 1 Chronicles 29. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Amen. And I can tell you as a child of God this morning, I cannot, honestly, as I stand here, honestly, I cannot think of anything in the world that I would desire any less than to be the son of a father who has an earthly kingdom. Not for me. Well, Pastor, my father is the prince of Monaco and, and he's of the royal house of Grimaldi. Awesome. I like Grimaldi's pizza, but that's yours. Well, I'm King, I'm King Charles, King now. My father was the Duke of Edinburgh, of the great British Empire. Cheerio. <laughs> Jolly good. I don't want it. I wouldn't want it. What good is any earthly kingdom? King Herod murdered to keep a crown on his head when right in front of him was the king of glory. Of the increase of his kingdom, there shall be no end. His name is Jesus. His father, he's my father. I'm a joint heir. John Newton, when he was contemplating the glory of the British Empire, just before he died in 1807, he wrote these words. Savior, if of Zion city, I through grace a member am. Let the world deride or pity. I will glory in thy name. Fading is the worldling's pleasure. 
all his boasted pomp and show. Solid joys and lasting treasure none but Zion's children know. Glorious things of thee are spoken. Family ties? Oh yeah. Our father is great. Our father is good. Our father is glorious. And then number four, I want you to notice our father is generous. Verse three, give us, this is what Jesus said we should pray. Give us this day, day by day, our daily bread. You know what? Let me go back to the second grade again. That prayer. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. And not just our food, of course. Bread is the basics, the sustenance. Our family, our homes, our income, our clothing, our health, our nation, our salvation, our church. Every good thing comes from above, from the Father. The Father of lights. As a generous God. Oh my goodness, folks, doesn't He just open up His hands of blessing? Doesn't He, as the psalmist said, daily loadeth us with benefits? Oftentimes when I hear unbelievers, agnostics, atheists, and so forth, they're all over the place. They have the bullhorn. And when I hear them gripe and complain as they indulge in the bounty of God's goodness, I think to myself, you know, you don't like the Bible. You don't like true Christianity. But my Father is the one who is giving you food. Our Father is the one who has granted them the air that they breathe the health they enjoy. All of that is from the father of the family. And when they just point out, well, Mother Earth, Mother Nature, or the planet, I always think, you're just a freeloader. You're enjoying the father's blessings and the father's creation, but by not recognizing him, you're just a freeloader here. Richard Dawkins and these men fly all over the world like a king reveling in the finest things in life. And all the while they just deny the goodness of the one who's provided those things. He and his ilk may not like us, but our father feeds him. And it's a reminder to me that our father is great, that our father is good, he is glorious, he is generous. And then number five, you'll notice our father is gracious. Verse 4, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Now, wait a minute, forgive us? Look at the last line, deliver us from evil? Yes, from evil. You see, beloved, I want to remind you that this prayer opens with the holiness of God. God is holy, hallowed be thy name. He's not on earth, he's in heaven, he's in glory. As sinners... Therefore, we need the grace of God. In other words, we didn't get into the family, if you're in the family today, we didn't get into this family because we're any more worthy or deserving or better than anybody else on this planet. We get down by grace because the Father sent His Son who died on a cross, who shed His blood and paid the debt for all of our sins. In fact, that's one of the truly great things about this family. We were all lost. We were all broken and destitute in this world. But God, who was rich in mercy. John Owen, the Puritan, was in the woods collecting sticks for his evening fire. 
And he noticed as he was gathering them how crooked they all were, but differently. None of them were really straight and in length and weight and knots and crookedness. And as he formed a bundle of them, he had a little challenge of carrying them. And he solved that challenge by getting all of them back to the house with a common cord. You just take all those various broken sticks and you bind them together in a single bundle with one rope. And that night he wrote in his journal these words, All of God's varied children are bound in eternity by one cord, the mercy of God. And this is why, beloved, there's no room for pride. There's no room in this room for self-glory. There's no room in God's family for it. Because we're all sinners saved by grace. Family ties, we are bound together, all of us, by the common cord of the Father's love for us. And can I just say, by the way, that that's why mature believers are never, ever impressed by celebrity or fame. We are never pulled away by, oh, pastor, hey, this has happened in the past. Do you know who's in the auditorium? Do you know who came today? We've had lots. I can, I'm not going to name names because it doesn't matter. But we're not impressed by that. We're part of a family. Years ago, Louise and I were just in the ministry. You old-timers will remember this story. I was in my early 20s. And I, had taken, I was taking a group of young people to Flint, Michigan to a youth rally, just like we just had. And on the way, we were goofing around, having a good time on the way back, and one of our teenagers had a leather jacket. I put it on. Another one had sunglasses. I put that on. Hey, you know, Fonz was all the thing at the time. We stopped at Wendy's to eat, and I said, hey, listen, all you guys go in. I'll come in last later, and when I go in, after you're seated, stand up and ask for my autograph. And I know, it's pretty pathetic, right? I mean, there's, <laughs> well, you know, it's my 15 seconds of fame. Just do that, and I thought, yeah, it'll be fun. So we did it. I said, when I walk in, act like I'm a celebrity. I'm somebody. Sunglasses, leather jacket. And I walk in, and, and all these teenagers, my teenagers, are like, oh, there he is. They run. They play the role really well. But what blew my mind is that in addition to my youth group, there were complete strangers that got in line to get my autograph. <laughs> I, my teenagers were like, can you sign this? Sure, can you sign this? And there was like a strange, three or four of them strangers. Um, can you sign my napkin? Sure, let me sign. Dummy me, I signed Jim Blaylock. Who's Jim Blaylock? <laughs> Should have a stage name ready. But this is the thing that I thought about. And in fact, it became my devotion on the way home to those teenagers. All these people hungry for identity, lining up for an autograph from someone they didn't even know. Just, oh, maybe. Look, God's children don't need any of that. Not if you're a child of the Father. We have an identity. Galatians 3.26 says, For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Our Father is great. Our Father is good. He is glorious. He is generous. He is gracious. But the best part, the most important part, is that number six, our Father is guaranteed. There's an assurance. You know, I did a series on heaven here many years ago, and I waited to the last message on heaven to preach on this topic the greatest thing about heaven. And the greatest thing about heaven is that it's eternal. If it could last for 10 million years, heaven's nothing. 
If it could last for 10 billion years and then you died and went to hell, heaven's nothing. It's zero. It means nothing. But the greatest thing about all the things that we had learned about heaven in the weeks before is that all of them are eternal. The greatest thing about the greatness and the goodness and the grace of our God, the greatest thing is that it's guaranteed. Thine is the kingdom forever and ever. Amen. In other words, unlike my earthly father who I love, who I baptized, whose funeral I preached 13 years ago, unlike my dad, my heavenly father will never need a visit in the hospital or a prayer for strength or a memorial service because our Father is eternal in the heavens. And beloved, this is why I'll also see my earthly father, my dad, again one day. The only reason that salvation is guaranteed, and it is if you're saved, is that the Father is guaranteed. Beloved, what a family we have. We have the same Father. Now look, the children are not all perfect. The father's children are like different cricket stones or sticks. The children are not all the same. We're all different. But we have the same father. And when he's finished with us, all of us will be like Jesus. All of us are joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. I was thinking about that this week. And a thought entered my mind, and I had to think it over three or four times. And I mean, I've been pastoring for, for 36 years. I've been in the ministry for well over 45 years. But I still had to think about, is this okay? The thought that I had in my head was this. I'm going to live, I'm going to live as long as God lives. Why? Because he's my father. I'm going to live as long as God lives. Look across the page at chapter 12. We'll close with this, verse 32. These are tender words and precious words to me. Jesus says, fear not, little flock. It was a little at the time, that's for sure. Don't be afraid. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Well, his kingdom's eternal. Salvation is eternal. It's called eternal life, everlasting life. And it is the heavenly Father's good pleasure. Hey, what do you think God wants? What's his good pleasure? Jesus just told, told us. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That begs a question, I think. Is it your good pleasure to give him your heart? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Is it your good pleasure to serve him, to love him, to denying all others? Look to him only as your heavenly father. Our heads are bowed, please, and our eyes are closed for just a moment. There are a lot of folks in this room who have a lot of different needs, and I don't know them all. But the God who wrote this book through his spirit a book that is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart can take his word and speak to every heart. And while I don't know that need or that space now in your heart 
that God is speaking to, I know the Lord does. It's one thing I rest in total assurance of as a pastor. I don't have to count how many hands go up. I don't have to count how many people are at the altar because I know and I trust that God speaks to hearts individually. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor Blaylock, I'm one of those. God has spoken to me. I'm a Christian today. I'm saved by the grace of God, but I needed this message, and there's something in this text or in this message or in Jesus' words about this prayer that I needed to hear today, and God has spoken to my heart as his child. Who would say that? Would you lift your hands up to the building and amen? Praise the Lord. Praise God. Maybe you're here today, and you know, I said earlier that, that Jesus looked at a group of people, and by the way, these were religious people. These were the most religious people of his day. These were the respected people. But he looked at them and he said, Ye are of your father, the devil. Can I tell you that all of us were born without God being our father? That we were born and dead in trespasses and sins? Born as sinners. But God sent his son, Jesus, who died for you so that you could be born again. A spiritual birth and therefore born into God's family. No longer, as Paul describes, children of disobedience, children of darkness. If you're here today and you don't know that, you don't know that your name is written in heaven because heaven's your home and God is your Father and Jesus is your Savior. If you don't know that, we'd love to pray for you because you can know it and you should know it. Pastor Blaylock, that's me. I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if I died, I'd be in heaven, but I want to be sure and I need to be sure. Who would say that? Would you lift your hands through the building? God bless you, ma'am. Anyone else? I'm not sure that I'm saved at home, right where you are. We're going to pray in a moment, but one more thought I want to share with you. Earthly fathers have a great influence, but that influence can go both ways. The influence is oftentimes a little child. Their perspective of the heavenly father they see first in their earthly father. So if he's a really good earthly father and he models the heavenly father, it can be a good thing. But if he's not, it's a very bad thing. I just want you to know this. Your earthly father is not your heavenly father. If you were rejected, ignored, beaten, abused, misunderstood by your earthly father? God has called you to come to him, to understand that he is your heavenly father, he's your eternal father. And his way is perfect with you, perfect. Trust him today, won't you? Give him your heart. Look, if it is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom, give him your heart, your devotion, your love, your service all the days of your life. Father in heaven, bless the invitation. Thank you for your word. And Lord, these who have asked for prayer, please draw them to you. But all of us, may we walk out of these doors today recognizing there were children of the most high God, your, your children. We don't need to seek identity and fame or fortune. That we have our identity in you. Here, tomorrow, and forever. And I pray, God, Father, it will give us a boldness it will give us a security, a strength that we never had. May we understand the powerful ramifications of your son telling us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven. 
And we thank you for these truths. Bless these who have asked for prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.